Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to another week of programmes here on C103. John Paul has taken a day off today, as indeed is Sadie. So Bernie's on her own taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us, uh, 1850 333 103. We love to hear from you. Anything happening over the weekend you want to discuss, give us a call. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And I don't normally play family requests for birthdays, I don't think, on the programme, but I want to start by wishing my my goddaughter and niece, uh, Izzy, uh, Izzy Messenger, a very happy birthday. She's 21 today, uh, so it's a very special day for her. So I want to wish her a happy birthday. And she's working today, and it's always a bit of a bummer, isn't it, to be working on your birthday, let alone on your 21st birthday. So she's working inside in the main office of the Credit Union in Mallow. So if you're in the Credit Union and you get served by somebody called Isabella, wish her a very happy 21st uh, birthday. Now, the government is expected to decide at the end of this week whether or not we're going to have additional restrictions and whether additional restrictions are required. There's four main counties we know we here in Cork are one of those four counties that they are particularly looking at. There was a spike in COVID uh, cases, particularly the figure that was recorded last night. I mean, it was a Sunday and we were all waiting for the figures and suddenly they announced 430 further cases of COVID-19 confirmed across the state yesterday that that's the most cases in a single day. You have to go back to April the 26th when we had a shocking day. It was 701 back in April on April the 26th. So the 430 yesterday is the second highest that we have had reported since we started reporting figures back in March. Now, thankfully, there wasn't any additional deaths. The senior government uh, sources have described the figures right across last week, but particularly across this weekend, as very, very worrying. They've expressed concerns about the growing pressure on capacity in our health service. The HSC chief executive, Paul Reid, issued a call to arms to the public, saying there are now 110 patients in hospital 
hospital with coronavirus and that includes 18 who are now in intensive care. He said the level of pressure on the health service was as significant now as it was during the worst peak of COVID-19 and the reason for that is we're trying to keep all of the other services running because if you think back when we were at the worst peak of COVID-19 and when we had when we were calling out you know frightening numbers of people who were in hospital or who were in ICU all of the other elective procedures at the hospital had all been cancelled remember we went through stages where there was nothing else happening in hospitals except people with COVID-19 being admitted and of course as we started to flatten the curve we started to reopen the services at the hospital which we needed to do we needed to start working through the waiting lists that were already there before COVID then started to really build during lockdown. We needed to get people back in who needed hip replacements, knee replacements, people who needed cataract operations, cancer services obviously had to all continue. So all of those services are now running at the same time as suddenly seeing an increase in the number of patients coming into COVID, coming in with with COVID-19. So it is a real, real worry for our hospital. Government figures say that while there are no NEFIT meetings planned until Thursday, uh, they say it's too early to call whether restrictions will be eased in Dublin. And I can't see restrictions being eased in Dublin when you look at the breakdown on the numbers day after day after day in Dublin. They don't seem to be falling uh, at all. And then in terms of additional restrictions for the other counties, the public health team's closely monitoring the situation. Our good selves here in Cork have been closely monitored. Also Wicklow, Galway and Louth. And the Taoiseach Micheál Martin is today launching this leaflet that's going to be distributed to two million households as the government attempts to push the message that there is no time for complacency and this is the leaflet that is going to go to every home. Remember we had leaflets delivered back at the start of lockdown where the government now need to issue another leaflet and obviously this is going to cover the different level 1, level 2, level 3, level 4, level 5 and I'm assuming that's all that information is going to be in it so that you will know in advance and we will know in advance if our area moves. We're in level 2 at the moment. If we move to level 3 what happens? If we move to level 4 what happens? What's closed? What's not closed? and the worst if we were to move to uh, level five. But certainly the indication so far doesn't look like Dublin is going to move. They're in level three, along with Donegal have just moved into level three. And are we going to be joining them in level three here in Cork? We will certainly know by the end of uh, this week. The acting chief medical officer, Roland Glynn, delivered a warning yesterday. He says, as we start into this new week, he's asked every single household across the country to sit down as a family unit and for everyone to make a plan to reduce the number of people you meet this uh, week. If every person, family, workplace and organisation does not play their part, he says the condition will continue to deteriorate. And, you know, they've been asking that across last week. I know coming into the weekend, they were asking people, you know, work out how many people you had met the previous week and then have it 
across the weekend and they're saying to do the same thing across this week. And that's all well and good if you've if you've been out socialising you can say well okay I went socialising last weekend then I won't go socialising this weekend so I'll definitely be able to limit my social contacts. But what about people for example a teacher that's gone back into a classroom uh, today that teacher can't limit the number of social contacts they're going to have they're going to meet the same number of teachers every day they're going to meet the same number of pupils in every class. What about people who work in retail in all of the shops they can't limit the number of contacts that they have so there there are a lot of people who can't limit their social contact contacts I think the only one that can decide are people who have been doing a lot of socialising so anyone who has been doing a lot of socialising can you stop it please at least for the next few weeks while we make some attempt again to flatten the curve that certainly seems to be rising here in Cork and looking at the cases for yesterday that shocking figure of 430 the breakdown for that was 212 in Dublin and when you look at those figures you think Dublin have not a hope in hell of moving out of level 3 if anything you would wonder will they push Dublin even further and maybe decide to move them to level four. We here in Cork very high figure yesterday. Really disappointing to hear 54 cases in Cork yesterday. There was 23 in Donegal. There was 23 in Galway. They're also rising and there was 16 in uh, Louth. And looking at the figures for Cork City and County, if we were to look at doing some kind of it's not a lockdown. It's looking like the four counties that they're most worried about, including Cork, could move from level two to level three. And that would mean restaurants would have to close. They would only be, only be able to do takeaway. The pubs, the wet pubs that have opened, they can remain open, but only if they're able to serve outside. They wouldn't be able to serve drink inside. And, you know, we're into the last few days of September. We're coming into October and the weather, whatever about cold, you could wrap up in the cold, but if we get any kind of a wet spell, that's going to completely limit the amount of outdoor eating and drinking that you could actually do. So moving to level three, you know, does have a huge implication for a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people will be out of uh, work and, you know, for people who live in the counties when it goes into level three, they are very much restricted. And there has been this talk about, well, the higher figures are in the city, Cork is the biggest county in Ireland. So if you're going to move from level two to level three, could you not just move the city to level three and leave the county in level two? And looking at the figures again, these are the figures. Now, this doesn't include the weekend. This, these are the figures up to from the 14th of, no, from the 7th of September through to the 21st of September. It's that two week period. And when you look at that, yes, you would say the city figures were certainly higher than the county figures. But there is some areas of the county, for example, in Formoy, they had 18 cases in that 14 days. Cove had 13, uh, Mallow had 8, McCroom, Bandon and Middleton had 9. But then areas of the city, the Cork City Southwest had 28 cases, the Cork City Northeast had 24, the Cork City Southeast had 19, South Central had 16. But then there was one area of the city, Cork City Northwest, and they only had 7 cases. But then when you look further into parts of West Cork I mean the majority of West Cork excluding Bandon and Kinsale who had nine cases over that two week period but if you look at Skibbereen in in West Cork and Bantry in West Cork those you know big electoral areas Bantry taking in Drimley Castletown Bear including both Mizzen and Berry Peninsulas Skibbereen then takes in Dunmanway Ross Garbury Skibbereen Ballinine and Clonakilty huge areas they had 
their figure over the 14 days was less than five and less than five of course means between zero and uh, four cases so they had little or no COVID in those areas but also Carrigaline had less than five so they had little or no uh, COVID over the 14 days. Now we next Thursday again we'll get the update on those figures will those figures change uh, we're going to have to wait and see and I'm assuming any decision made by Neffet who then refer to the government and government will make the decision I'm assuming they will wait until Thursday because that's when Neffet are next due to meet they'll look at the breakdown and they're now giving people the information by the local local electoral area they, they give you the map of Ireland and you can click anywhere on the map where you live and check out how much COVID is in your area over the previous 14 days. And so we've been tracking it by keeping the, we've got these figures logged and then we'll be able to compare it next Thursday, Thursday of this week, when the latest figures come out for the 14-day rolling average. And we know that they're going to increase in Cork because we've seen the figures go up, you know, day after day after day, you know, including that figure of 54 uh, yesterday. But as to the breakdown of where they actually are, so then it'll be up to Neffet to make the decision. And will the government make a decision that they'll do it on a regional basis, that it could be the city and maybe parts of the county, maybe towns in the county that at higher and then leave the other parts of the county at level two? Would that be very hard to do I don't know we'll have to wait and see but I'm assuming that's what most people would want that if you're in an area I mean if you're out on the Mizzen and Barry Peninsula and the figures are showing that there's little or no COVID-19 there is it very unfair on businesses in those areas that they would have to close and for the people living in those areas that they wouldn't be able to go to those businesses uh, because there are a higher number of COVID-19 in other parts of the county 1850-333-103 Bernie taking your calls today if you want to text or WhatsApp you can 0862 103 103 Nolan Bantier says Hi Patricia If numbers are still so high in Dublin and they have been day on day why do they not simply put Dublin into level 4? They seem to be forgetting about Dublin altogether and instead they're focusing on the three counties now that are the four counties now including us here in Cork that are going to head for further restrictions uh, this uh, week I, oh, I don't know I don't think you're right to say that they've forgotten about Dublin there is the suggestion that when they, if they make an announcement that we and the other three counties, Cork, Wicklow, Galway and Louth, if we all move to level three and it will come in very quickly like it did in Donegal from what was it midnight on Friday night which caught a lot of hotels and businesses by surprise and restaurants who had all their food in and suddenly they weren't allowed to open for business except for takeaway and a lot of them got caught with stock that and they've lost out because the stock has gone off so it will come in very quickly if they announce it for it could be announced on Friday for 12 o'clock for midnight on Friday night but I think what will also happen if that does go ahead and if the figures remain as high as they have been and there's nothing to indicate that they won't come down this week because the figures we get this week were seeded last week so it's very possible we're going to could get another number tonight like 54 for Cork please God we won't but if we keep up those kind of numbers then definitely we're heading towards uh, level 3 at the weekend and Dublin I would say is possibly heading towards uh, level 4 because the Dublin numbers you're right the Dublin numbers certainly are not coming down and hi Patricia if Cork does go to level 3 at the weekend will beauticians be left uh, Stay open. Yeah, under level three, uh, retail and services, including hairdressers, beauticians and barbers, they all remain open with protective measures in place, which are the protective measures that are in place already. So, yeah, they they remain open under level three. They do advise to work from home where it's absolutely possible. They, they, 
the travel one is you've got to stay in your own county. Playgrounds for children, they remain open with protective measures in place. But it is quite restrictive in that the bars and restaurants including the wet pubs that are already open. They can remain open, but with additional restrictions. And the additional restrictions being they can only serve outdoors and it's the same for restaurants and they can be open for delivery, uh, or etc. Funerals go back down to 25. People can only attend. And another one, if we move to level three, that will affect a number of people is religious services will move online and that churches will only and places of worship will only remain open for private prayer. Remember that in this stage, the phase just before mass, people were allowed to attend mass again with all of the restrictions that are in place with social distancing and only 50 people allowed inside in a church. Remember in the day, the weeks leading up to that, the churches were open for so many hours a day where you could just go in and say, you know, say a few prayers, but you couldn't go in for mass and the churches were locked when mass was instead. That we would be, we would be back to that again under level three and I was in Dungarvan at the weekend at my sister's house and we went uh, we were, I was passing a church on Sunday morning at, at, for, at just at the it was a 10 o'clock mass it was about half past 10 and I couldn't get over the number of people that were sitting on the wall outside the church now they were doing their best to be socially distanced big gang of them probably about maybe 50 people and the priest and a minister of the Eucharist was out giving communion these were the people who couldn't get in to the church it was a beautiful sunny morning you know it was a gorgeous morning for a walk on the beach so it was lovely for them sitting on the wall but I was just thinking my God if it was a wet Sunday morning I wonder how many of them would be standing around outside the church and they were listening to the Mass outside of the church well if we go to level 3 that's not going to even happen uh, because it, they will be, it will be closed to all Masses just allowed open for private prayer only and obviously there will be there's controlled environments uh, for indoor gatherings weddings also is the other big one that goes from 50 down to 25 under level 3 but as what they did with Donegal and with Dublin if there's a wedding booked for next weekend I'm assuming they'd allow that to go ahead and it would kick in from the following weekend so it is it's not a complete lockdown but it is quite restrictive it's what we do where we don't want to be we want to be going down to level one we certainly don't want to be going to level three but it's looking like level three at the moment 1850 Bernie taking your calls text or whatsApp 0862 103 103 A lot of uh, calls and comments coming in about COVID-19 and about the possibility will we be moving to uh, level three we don't know all we know is a decision is going to be made later on this week and all we know is that the government sources uh, are very worried about uh, the figure. They are expressing growing concern about the pressure on the health service and that certainly is going to be a key marker for moving different counties to different levels if the hospitals come under pressure and it does look like the hospitals are coming under pressure and because of that they are closely monitoring Cork, Wicklow, Galway and uh, Louth and I'm assuming still closely monitoring Dublin to see if they need to move to a a different level because it's not working certainly it doesn't seem to be working uh, at the moment. Pat in from says Patricia you speak about 14 uh, new cases of COVID-19 in the from area it's actually 18, it was 18 cases over the 14 days up to the 21st of September. Then that number could even be higher now, but up to the 21st of September for the 14 days up to that, it was uh, 18 new uh, cases. Pat saying, is that in Formoy Town or in Formoy Electoral Area? You see, okay, we're getting information based on electoral areas, but it doesn't break it down 
to an individual town, for example. When we talk about Formoy, let me see, I've got Formoy electoral area here. When we talk about Formoy local electoral area, that includes, yes, it does include Formoy town, but it also includes Donnerail, Shambhalimore, Glamworth, Rathcormack, Kilworth, Mitchestown and Castle Lines. It's a big area. I mean, it is a very, very big area. So no, they're not going to give that. And I know, I know, Pat, it's frustrating and you would probably prefer if they would give a breakdown and they would actually tell you if the figures were in Formoytown or if they were in Mitchellstown, if they were in Kilworth. I know people locally like to know if there's a lot of COVID-19 or if there's a cluster of COVID-19 in their area, but they don't give us as much as we're getting now is it's that geographical area. So it's it's a large, a large area. It was up nine on the previous 14 days. They were one of the areas in the county that went up. It had been at nine for the 14 previous days and it doubled. It went up to 18. 1850 Some of your texts in on this. This is, is there a name on this? No. Now we see why scientists wanted the government. Now we see why scientists want the government to go for eradication on this island like what Taiwan has done. Why don't the government look to a country like Taiwan for a headline rather than the blind leading the blind in Europe? I remember a number of weeks ago I was looking into uh, Taiwan. Their figures are incredible and they're so close to China. The World Health Organization had said initially that Taiwan was going to be one of the countries most affected by COVID-19 because I think they're 150 kilometres away from China and also the fact that a lot of Taiwanese people work in China and that a lot of Chinese people visit Taiwan. They come to Taiwan on holidays but Taiwan very early on realised that there was something going on in China there was some kind of a new novel virus and they got working straight away the time they the Taiwan people wear masks all the time this they've been doing it for many many years it wasn't anything new uh, to them but they their contact tracing was in Incredible from day one. And also the big difference uh, with Taiwan as well is the fact that they have a one-tier health system. So when people became unwell, they were able to get in there and get in there fast. And then their contact tracing, is, as I say, was on a completely different le- level to what we, were, what we have in this country. So they were able to contact who had been in contact with the person and then go right back to where they worked out where the case actually came from and then if you were in any way in contact with that person who was COVID-19 positive you then went in to quarantine for 14 days and people don't break rules and laws in a country like Taiwan they're a different country in that sense as well so they can do a lockdown much better than any other country and certainly much better than we could do it so there is a difference in that regard but yes could we learn lessons absolutely you're right we could 1850 Now Fianna Fáil TD for Cork North West Andreas Moynihan has called on the Road Safety Authority to clarify the situation regarding driving licence renewals for older people and Deputy Andreas Moynihan joins me with to, to share his concerns this morning Good morning to you Andreas Hello, Patricia. Good you, morning. You're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, can you firstly outline what is the problem for people over 70 when they're trying to renew their driving licence at the moment? Yeah, um, for people over 70 that they would have previously had to provide uh, documentation, medical documentation, uh, for to verify their position and that they were having to go into the test centre or into the licensing centre for to, to present those. Um, now, the licences were extended for some time earlier this year, uh, and that you know pe- 
people's renewals are coming up all the time. So really what we're looking for is that instead of people having to go in and present their documentation, uh, that they wouldn't have to go in at all, but that they would be able to do it all online if they were up for it. Um, And the situation at the moment is that the system suggests that you can do that if you don't have any medical condition. But when you try and do it online on the website, you're not able to. It's not up and running yet. Ah. And others who would have had a medical condition, they're still being requested to go in to the centre for to do their business. Do they need to go to the GP first to get signed off? They would, yes. And like you, you have an extra layer of unnecessary there. You don't, if people are okay and comfortable doing their business online, then it doesn't make sense that they should be going into the centre, into Carker, to Scabrina, to Maddow, um, if they can do it um, online. Others then, uh, you, instead of dragging them into the GP and dragging them on up to, to the licensing centre, it's, it's an unnecessary loop. And really, if people are comfortable doing their business online, then it should be available to them irrespective of what their age is, uh, give people the option. For example, if you or I want to apply for a medical card, you can put it in, do it online. Uh, why wouldn't it be the same for the renewing your driver's licence? But would there, is there still the need to go to the GP and get signed off before you can do it online? If you're over 70 and you don't have an underlying condition, uh, the likes of diabetes, a stroke or epilepsy or so on, you don't need to go to the GP to get that letter of approval at present. But if you have any of the listed conditions, you do have to go to the just and go on further then into the centre with it. Just on that one, on the list of conditions, are, are, are you hearing of anybody having problems getting a GP to sign off on them in that the GP would have to see the person? Because we've had some listeners contact us who are quite frustrated that they can't actually get in to see their doctor, not now to get the form filled in. But, you know, if they want to go in and have a chat with their doctor about some condition that they have and everything's been triaged over the phone. Are you hearing of any doctors refusing to allow a person in so that they can do the forms? We we had we had seen greater pressure on the GPs earlier uh, in the in the spring and the, in the summer, uh, there seems to be uh, more availability and more uh, willingness to do those kind of oh, uh, things over line, uh, over online with the with the GP and, and giving appointments as well. But there's a reluctance from people to be going mm. in unnecessarily to the GP. It's not necessarily the GP's fault at all. People are not necessarily comfortable going to where there's a whole lot of other sick people. And well, also, I mean, I opened the programme this morning, Andreas, you know, by talking about the acting chief medical officer, Roland Glynn, you know, who's saying to people as a family, as a household, everybody sit down and everybody decide to reduce the number of people you meet this week. You know, so we've got the guys from Neffet. We have all of the experts saying you need to sort of stay in your own bubble, limit the amount of travel that you're doing, limit the amount of people that you're seeing. And yet we have another arm saying, well, sorry, if you want to get a driving licence, you have to come in and meet us. That's right. It's it's a real mixed message that doesn't need to be there because if, if and there are numerous people who are quite comfortable doing their business online, then that option should be available to them. And instead of necessarily dragging them into where 
into town where they they may be very uncomfortable going or maybe exposing themselves. And um, like the, the whole idea, we want to try and reduce the number of contacts. Yes, and that that's hopefully a, a short term issue, but longer term, if people want uh, can do their business online, then we should be encouraging that as a and a real option or a real alternative, no matter what your age is. There shouldn't have to be a, an age restriction on it. Mm, absolutely. So you're saying the RSA did say they would allow the over 70s to renew their licence online, but you're saying is it a glitch in the system? What's the reason that you can't do it? Well, when, when you go onto their website, it looks like that maybe you can and you read the instruction there, but you can't actually, if you're over 70, make your application. And then when you raise it with RSA, uh, yes, it's coming soon in some month's time. But then when you question the minister on it, transport minister, she feels that there may be legislation behind needed to support. So you're kind of, God, how this needs to be happening. Like we saw the situation there earlier in the summer where as an emergency, there was an extension uh, given to licenses. Right. That was in an emergency. We've had an opportunity to learn from that now and to be ready for the next phase and, you know, to to have better systems and better approaches as as time moves on. And an improved solution here would be to give people who are comfortable doing their business online the option of doing it. Um, having the, the system available online um, instead of, you know, talking about maybe it coming at some point or some months in the future would be much better. We need to get that moved along from both the Minister and from the, and the character between the Minister and the RSA because it may not need legislative changes. It could be just something as straightforward as uh, technical details within the RSA's own website so that people of all ages uh, can make an application. And if you need to send in a medical cert, why not be able to do that online as well in much the same way as you can with a medical card application? Yeah, we need to make everything as easy as possible. Somebody, uh, Michael in Cork, is, is saying, uh, why don't they take cash at the NDLS uh, centres? Do they stop taking cash when they reopen after lockdown? places uh, are pushing people towards the, the contactless. And not everyone the, has a bank account, Andreas. That's right, yeah. yeah. And uh, the push is towards effort to minimise the, the contact. Uh, there is a, a very strong preference for cash by a lot of people, all right, yeah. And, you know, you're, when you're paying in real money, something is more more present or more more realistic, all right, yeah. And you'd, you'd like to have that option. But I, I, I understand that uh, from the... Uh, from the reducing the contact point of view uh, that that's why there's a, a push for a lot of the, the online payment or the contactless if possible. So that's not going to change. They're not going to go because they did a one stage take and they don't take it. They won't take a cheque or a postal order either. Uh, you'd, you'd imagine that the, the likes of the drafts and postal orders and cheques that like, they can be posted on in that yeah, should be yeah. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. It it doesn't make any sense, I know, to to a number of uh, people. Okay, Um, Andreas, are we heading to level three in Cork? Do you think at the end of the week? What's your gut instinct telling you? Oh goodness, I'm I'm worried about it because like um, Cork has started moving moving up in the numbers, and I feel that a lot of the tests that are going to be reported on over the next week that they're people who have already possibly contracted. Uh, the virus in the last week or ten week or so, so you'd be worried that the numbers are 
despite our best effort, could edge up. But really, we need to be um, making every effort we can. I know it's become it's it's easy to talk about, but like we're we're all after getting so. It's almost a kind of a comfort or a, a lax that maybe we're not washing our hands as often or not wearing the masks as, as often uh, and that, that we need to be redoubling the efforts on that. Um, I see from being up and down to, to Dublin that uh, I feel that Cork, that there is a lot more mask wearing and so on uh, in Cork than there would be in Dublin. But Great. Um, I, I do feel that, um, that, yeah, that we still have a chance for to, to put a push on our IGF or to minimise the amount of people that we're in direct contact with and yeah. when we meet people to step back uh, that little bit further and uh, to increase the, the hand washing and the, the masks okay. where possible. It's, but uh, an it's a difficult one already. And it's yeah. an interesting week ahead. We, we will wait to see what Neffert and, the, and what gets announced towards the end of the week. Listen, Andreas, we leave it there. Thank you for that and okay. uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is uh, Cork Northwest Adult Deputy for Fianna Fáil. Andreas Moynihan. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 Now last Last week, West Cork plumber Donna Lachlan of Eco Plum in Clonakilty joined me on the programme to put a shout out. He was looking for apprentice plumbers. A number of callers contacted us to say, how did he get on? Did you get any apprentice plumbers? So we decided we'd bring Donna back on the programme. Good morning to you, Donna. Good morning again. How are you? I'm very well. Did you get a good response? Yeah, I did indeed, yeah. It was a very good response. I'm delighted actually with the opportunity. I'm glad I hummed and hawed about doing the, the whole thing first day for say. I'm glad I went. I'm glad I went on. It was good. It was good because uh, I, had a, I had a few people who were listening. They were at work and they said they were listening to it. They said, "Yeah, oh, wow, that sounds great. That's exactly what I want to do." Um, so they've contacted me, and we're setting up interviews uh, at the end of this week. Now, when you say uh, that there were people who were at work, so we're not, we're not talking about school leavers looking for an no. apprenticeship. We're talking about people who are, who are maybe in a completely different business, deciding uh, I'd like to be a plumber. Yeah, most of the majority were over twenty-five. Well, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and people have people in their thirties as well, and I have absolutely no, no issue with that whatsoever. And uh, I, I mean, uh, we learn from everything in life, and I'm sure um, uh, I, I, there's always something. There's something you can teach somebody else. You know, we're always learning, and that's the whole point. I mean, that's the whole point of being in a trade or an apprenticeship, or for the right candidate, is able to teach themselves as well and to adapt to new uh, technologies and new uh, uh, equipment and uh, plumbing equipment and uh, so on and so forth, you know. So, Because yeah. once upon a time when we spoke about uh, apprentices, I mean, I'd be old enough to remember the old Anko days, and yeah. it would have been 16, 17 and 18-year-olds would have gone forward as apprentice in all of the uh, different trades. That's right, yeah. <laughs> that's right, sorry, yeah. You did the, you said, you stick this, you, you, you said, yeah, somebody said before, you said the the, 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 the no, that's not, that's not the case anymore. Oh, well. Well, I'll be honest with you, you know, even when, and I, look, and I, 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 I well, actually, I'd probably say with a badge honour that I, you know, I dropped out of college, uh, and um, uh, I remember when I was in there that nearly everybody uh, in, because I, I actually did it at CIT at night, actually, I did my sitting bills uh, at night, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, the, in the RTC at the time, actually, and the majority of guys in the class with me had all, I had a leaving cert and tried one year of college and decided it was for them. And uh, I'll just take a talk to a, a, talk to a builder this morning and uh, we're just talking about it, trying to get builders, plumbers, carpenters, everybody like Hensteath. I think that government are mi- missing out here big time. 
by incentives further. Now, they have incentivized the trade. There is a small bursary now available for taking apprentices on, which is why I'm doing it. But I'll be honest with you, it's, it's only a drop in the ocean. You're still, you know, you're going to be babysitting people. You're, you're providing an education and a trading, and it does. Because if you're going to put the time to train somebody, it is going to cut down your uh, productivity in the course of the day if you want to do, uh, teach them right, if you want the job done right. And, uh, you know, you... Um, it's like doing any job. You should own it after. Similarly, with an apprentice, you should endeavour and strive for them to be the best. Well done. Well done. And as we mentioned last week when we were putting the call out, uh, Donna, on your behalf, the there's wonderful employment prospects for plumbers and indeed for all trades, not just here in Ireland, but you can go anywhere in anywhere. the world with those papers. Uh-huh. And actually, I, I met uh, I met a guy since we spoke on the beach on, on um, Saturday morning. I met him. He was going down fishing, and he was actually a plumber. And he saw he said he saw my van. He said, "I'm a plumber as well." And we were just chatting away. I said, "Where are you working?" He's telling me he says he's working offshore. Really? I said, "Where you work?" He's worked all around the world. He was working at the North Sea recently, which is no mean feat. That's a very very dangerous sea to work in, and uh, uh, very exciting. Uh, great work. Uh, great money. And so I said, "Yeah." <laughs> you're tempting me to tell me he wouldn't even tell me it's not a brief but you know and that's great and that's, you know, that's actually really useful that can be really useful when you're starting off and you want to start a family or you're thinking of buying a house or something like that different for me now uh, I'd like to be at home I live close to the beach thank God do a bit of surfing uh, growing a bit of veg fattening, fattening some pigs some chickens made some cider there last week uh, and uh, you know that's what it's all about you're, you know? you're, you're painting a picture of an idyllic life in West Cork Donna I have to say oh, where, where were you originally from by the way? Uh, I grew up in Carrigaline Oh you're um, Carrigaline okay Yeah but we would have been always out, always out um, uh, in the countryside there as well and I, 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 I used to go uh, follow my hotel uh, my dad and go shooting and we used to do a bit of sailing and we were in a great uh, we were in, we were in Cubs and the Sea Scouts and um, really much suited to an outdoor life. Um, and, but apart from that, a good route in County Clare as well. And I, I would actually draw a lot of similarities between uh, um, West Cork and, uh, and Clare as well. And the whole west of Ireland, really. I mean, that's they're they're Ireland, very so. similar, right the way up along. I mean, that's why the Wild Atlantic Way, I think, was such a fantastic uh, initiative because that whole, it's, you can almost split the country down and, and there is commonality all the way up along the west. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think that's. Uh, I think that's certainly what the, the pandemic or the coronavirus showed us that the, how the, the beauty of the west of Ireland. Yeah, and, it's fantastic. And why, how, how important it is, and have good food and, and, and a good, a good healthy, a good healthy uh, land out there as well, and good clean water as well, obviously. And that's what that's where you, the good plumber, comes into it. Done. Listen, did you get any females? Uh, no. Ah. We were still up for a bit. Yeah, no, we're still up. I actually met a girl yesterday. They were down down in the fish basket there in the Long Strand. And I said she was still going. She was going to go. She was going to college. I said we were talking about it. She was going to do psychology. I said, well, that's interesting. Now I said, yeah. I said, you know, we're looking for plumbers as well. And I said, oh, I don't know. But, and I said, what's happening with college? I don't know. You're going to be so you're going to be paying money for a course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't really go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that degree going to be worked afterwards? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, come get your hands dirty with me and become a plumber was what you were trying to say to her. Good. Good, honest to God, for well done. And good spectacular, bro, and, and a great sense of accomplishment and and, and problem solving. And like, and if you like a bit of physics, I meant to say that the last day. Like a bit of physics or engineering, construction, you're going to love it. If you like problem solving, it can be very rewarding from that point of view. And I'm not being flippant here. It's a well-known fact that they say the doctor or the plumber save more lives than doctors because we maintain a hot water system. And if you don't have hot water, 
that's the number one fight against bacteria. That's so, right. So, so important now, as we know, with all of us washing our hands. Remind uh, listeners and prospective apprentices, uh, Donna, where they can send their CVs, because you're, you're still, particularly females, if there's any females out there, where, how can they contact you? Um, uh, you can go to our website, it's ecoplum.ie, uh, or um, it's also on the Facebook page, it's ecoplum.ie, and our, our contact details on that, or it's uh, O'Loughlin actually, at hotmail.com. It's oh, it's, it's O'Loughlin. My apologies. O'Loughlin. Have I been missing the O in your name? And that's that's. Never took the soup. I was never just going to soup. say you never probably never took the soup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Donna O'Loughlin, as always, it's been a pleasure. We'll keep in contact with you, and uh, thanks a million for joining us once again on the program. Fingers crossed. Not just plumbing, the other trades. Get yourself out there. You'll never look back. Well done. Well done. You sell as well. God bless. Mind yourself and stay safe. Uh, Donna O'Loughlin of Ecoplum in uh, Clonakilta. He's a, he's a lovely guy. Uh, 1850 It's good to put that into anybody's head if you are considering uh, a life in any of the trades, but uh, Donna in particular looking for plumbers. Can I stay in West Cork for a sec? Because I got a text in from Mary earlier on to say, Hi Patricia, I was out walking my dog and I found a pair of what looks like prescription reading glasses and the wall opposite the chip shop at Ona Hincha. And uh, Mary and Ona Hincha uh, is looking after the glasses for whoever lost them. Obviously, somebody took them off. Uh, maybe they might have been using them for, well, if they were, couldn't have been using them for driving because they got back to the car and realised they didn't have them with them. But anyway, if you were walking in Onahinsha and that rings a bell with you that you left your reading glasses on the wall opposite the chip shop at Onahinsha, we have Mary's number here on file. Give us a buzz and we'll pass on the details to you and you can collect them from Mary. 1850 333103. And now we're, go- we're going to, looking into this because I don't know if this is a scam or not, but Carol in Adrigal, morning to Carol, she contacted us this morning, says she came back from England uh, 11 days ago and she's been abiding by all the rules, self-isolating for the 14 days. But she had a message left on her mobile phone from the Department of Health and the message said they needed to confirm who she was, where she is living, etc. And is she self-isolating? She says she doesn't know if it's a scam or not. She didn't like to give out any information over the phone, particularly when she wasn't sure about this particular number. Now, she said she already answered questions from gov.ie about where exactly she would be living and staying for the 14 days of self-isolation that she is abiding by in Adrigal. She hasn't, by the way, left her house. Well done, Carol. Proud of you. She is sticking religiously to the rules that they've given her. 14 days self-isolation and she's not moving out of her house in Adrigo until the 14 days are up. Now, Bernie put a call through. It was a Dublin number that left a message with Carol. And Bernie said the first thing was it's an American lady speaking. Now, it's it's a, a voice message saying that they're contact tracing and that it's with the... She's, what through Bernie was that the voice message said it's with the Irish Department of Health, which is kind of an odd thing if it's contact tracing in Ireland, why they would say this is the Irish Department of Health. You'd just say the Department of Health, wouldn't you? You wouldn't necessarily put the word Irish in before it. And there's nothing to say why they wouldn't have an American doing their voiceover, even though if it's from the Department of Health, you'd assume one of their own staff would do the voiceover. Anyway, Carol, I think you were right not to give any information. And by the way, Bernie then said she was put on hold. Uh, so she got off the phone because I said, yeah, get off the phone quick in case it's one of those premium Lyme calls and will cost the company a fortune. So anyway, she's going to check in with the Department of Health just to see 
are the Department of Health ringing people on their mobiles, which is great if they are. It's terrific if they are checking in. But I was led to believe that when you enter this country and you're asked for your details, it's for contact tracing in that if somebody on your flight or somebody on the ferry ship that you came into the country on, if any of them tested positive for COVID-19, then you would be contacted. And if that is the case, I don't know if that's the way the Department of Health do it, would leave a message and then you ring it back and you get a voice message from an American lady saying stay on hold. So we're going to check it out and and just see because we we have heard from other people who have come back and doing exactly what Carol has done and they haven't been contacted at all to say, are you abiding by what you said you would do? Are you remaining at the address that you gave me? And lots of people were saying that that's exactly what they should be doing. They should be ringing. So we're going to get on to the Department of Health and see if we can get clarity for Carol. But if it rings the bell with anybody else who, like Carol, has been away overseas, has come back and self-isolated for 40 days, were you contacted? in any way by the Department of Health and does a message like that ring a bell to you? Let us know. 1850 Tim actually wants to talk about the United Kingdom. Tim says in the United Kingdom they are bracing themselves or they're talking about bracing themselves for a third wave in the spring. So they're into their second wave and they're saying they'll have a third wave of COVID-19 in the spring. So that isn't exactly a vote of confidence for medics or for science, uh, is it? It's not, but I suppose they're putting people on standby, Tim, and saying we are probably a year away from having a vaccine. And until we get a vaccine, and if people don't abide by social distancing, cough etiquette, wearing the masks, reducing our contacts, then yes, we will have wave after wave after wave. And says, hi, Patricia, this is on driving licences when we were speaking with Andreas Moynihan, Deputy Andreas Moynihan in the last hour, who says he's discovered a bit of a glitch in the system for people over the age of 70 who can now apply for their driving licence, do it online. You don't have to go into the NDLS centre. But he said when people try to do it, there seems to be some problem in that they can't do it, even though the Road Safety Authority said people over the age of 70 could do it. And says, I was listening to Andreas Moynihan there. My driving licence was out on the 25th of July and I booked an appointment and got an appointment for September. But I got a text from them in August saying that my licence has been renewed and they've cancelled my appointment. So I don't know what happens after all of that, says Anne. I can tell you exactly what's going on there. Um, they made the decision that all drivers' licence for this year that expired between the 1st of March and the 31st of August, so you're just in at the end of it are automatically being extended by seven months. You don't need to do anything to avail of the extension. You just got the text message to say it's been extended and you don't have to you don't have to worry about it. The expiry date of on your driver's record will be automatically updated. Now a new license and permit won't be issued to you, but when your license it's got a an eight month a seven month extension on it at the end of that seven months. So seven months from your date in July you'll then be applying to get a new licence. But for now, you don't need to do anything. All learner permits between the 1st of July and the 31st of August, uh, including those that were extended from the 1st of March to the 30th of July, they've also got a further extension. They're extended by four months. And a reminder, if you are going in to to the National Driver's Licence Centre, you have to book an appointment you can't. They, they're, they're not doing walk-ins anymore. You must make an appointment uh, in advance. And they also, as we did mention when I spoke with Andreas, they are only accepting debit and credit card payments and Google 
Pay and Apple Pay. They're unable to accept cash checks are postal orders which is causing problems for some people including somebody says Patricia warn people when they're going into the NDLS centre anywhere in this country bring a credit card or a debit card with them. I don't own a credit or a debit card and I use good old cash says this texter and I was refused. I was also refused for my daughter to give her card details over the phone as the lady in the NDLS told me that their Evalon, I don't know what an Evalon, Evalon credit card equipment could not do this way of payment, even though when I was in a retail business, the same Evalon card equipment could do phone transactions. No problem. I'd end up going back in another day. All of these new rules driving this listener absolutely crazy. Some of your texts in on will we be moving to level three or not? Listener says if we go to level three, Will 50 people attending a wedding, will it be the same? No, it won't. If you go to level three, the numbers attending a wedding, 25 people are the maximum that can attend a wedding. But like what they did in Donegal, I think they did the same in Dublin. They let the first weekend, the 50 go, because obviously people had it booked, but then it goes to uh, 25 after that. And someone else is worried if we do go to level three, where's the text? Here it is from a concerned parent who signs anonymous. Patricia, if Cork goes to level three at the weekend, what will happen with First Holy Communion ceremonies? For example, Barry Row National School didn't have their First Holy Communion, as indeed nobody did this summer, but they have a new date now of October the 24th. 24th. Will all mass ceremonies be cancelled if we are still in level three at the end of October? Signed. You can see now why it's signed concerned parent. Unfortunately, yes, if we were in level three at the end of October, then yes, because all other masses are cancelled. So any planned communions, confirmations, wed- weddings only allowing for the 25 can go ahead. But all of the other ceremonies, christenings, uh, everything gets cancelled. And I'll give you an example of what happened in Donegal. Obviously, Donegal got wind this time last week. I imagine the conversation we're having today was being had in Highland Radio, the local radio station in Donegal, as they were saying, will we be going to level three at the end of the week? So they knew coming close to the end of the week, they knew by Thursday or Friday they were definitely going into the rumour they, they had it on reliable information. They were going to level three before the Taoiseach even got to announce it. So I do know what happened in one particular parish in Donegal. They had communions planned for Saturday that they knew was, would be cancelled. So there was two communion classes on Friday evening. Parents were contacted to say, bring your children down to the church. They did one class at half six and they did another class at half seven. And I think there was three christenings and they got them all out of the way on Friday evening before the church then with the new restrictions had to close its doors too, except for private prayer. So, yes, unfortunately, to that listener and to others, you know, you won't be on your own. There will be other masses, other communions that have been scheduled as well. But if we go to level three, but we haven't gone to level three yet. We're just speculating that we are one of the counties that has been seriously looked at for a move to level three. Another texter says, Patricia, it would be a disaster if Cork City and the odd hot spots were just reduced to level three and the rest of the county was left at level two. It will put the rest of the county remaining at level two, surely it will put them all at risk. There would be a movement of people from level three areas to level two. And therefore, would that not increase the spread of the virus further? Which is, you're spot on. And it's one of the reasons why, when they look at Cork City and County, it's one of the reasons against 
just locking down the city and say, sure, there's very little COVID in the county, we'll leave the county, go on as normal. Because if you just lock down the city, how would you stop people leaving the city, coming into the county? Look at the number of people who live in the county but work in the city. So, you know, you would have a huge problem with that. So that's why I do think, while I know a lot of people are saying just lock down the areas that has the high COVID-19 and leave the other areas. But that is one of the reasons. Is there a danger of a movement of people? And if there was a movement of people, then people decided, ah, sure, the pubs and restaurants are open down on the Bayer Peninsula, down on the Mizzle Peninsula. She would all head there for the weekend instead. Is there a danger they'd bring COVID-19 uh, with them? So, yeah, I think that's got to be taken into consideration. But then another listener says, I'm from West Cork. Why should everyone suffer over people that are not obeying and stopping the spread of COVID-19? It's not fair on people that are doing everything to stop coronavirus, trying to go to work, trying to keep their families and friends safe and others. And yet you've got other parts of the county where they're not doing the same thing. It is simply not fair. So that's somebody who would certainly be against locking down areas that has low COVID-19 and would say just lock down the areas that has the higher numbers instead. Patricia, this coronavirus has been here since last Christmas. I knew we were in trouble when the government were allowing people to come from affected areas without any restrictions or not asking them to to self-isolate. The plan was mind-boggling when one looks back on it. Another listener again raising the issue, why are the off-licence not being targeted by the government? They are a considerable threat with house parties, etc. Cannot understand why there's never a word about off-licences and why don't they close them? Someone else says, lifting restrictions uh, when the bull is outside the door gives him a chance to bulldoze his way in, which is exactly what has happened when they started lifting the restrictions. Why now are people so surprised that we have rising numbers again? It is a seriously silly way to be dealing with this pandemic. So that's somebody who says we should have remained in the stricter lockdown and not lifted any of the restrictions. And Meg said, I despair. Looking at the Southern Star this week and there's a picture of Bantry Market. Now, I haven't seen the picture, but Meg reckons in the picture there was no masks and uh, people were almost in one another's clothes. They were so on top of each other. The only thing I will straight away say at any of the farmers markets, you are outside and there is a lesser chance of coronavirus spreading. Are you picking it up in outside and that's why they say if you do have to have a group of people together do it outside rather than inside 1850 Bernie is taking your calls today you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs The Munster Bovine Service they're recruiting AI technicians that's throughout Munster industrial plumbers are wanted that's for Cork City and Glenmar Shellfish they're based in Union Hall they're recruiting a full-time shop assistant. Healthcare assistant is required for Chuck Alter Nursing Home and that's in Newmarket. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Almost all parents think online safety should be a compulsory part of the school curriculum and more than half of those who responded to a survey by Bernardo's said it should start as early as junior infants. Joining me from Bernardo's is Cleana Perdue who is the on- Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow-up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Online Safety Pro, uh, Program Executive with Bernardos. Good morning to you, Hi, good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, does this survey show the need to focus on online safety, both in the classroom and at home? Most definitely. I, we, we think so anyway. Um, in the workshops that we have in schools, our messages to parents in particular is always about kind of having these conversations about online safety. And we just think it would be so important for it to be part of the school curriculum so that it, you know, you start the conversation there, but then you have it at home as well. And actually, it's something that teachers also agree with. They were saying 89% of them said that online safety is something that both teachers and parents should be uh, teaching children about. So just something in the 21st century is something that we should really be focusing on and kind of helping children to kind of be safe and resilient online. And is there anything in the curriculum at the moment, at the moment, at primary level for online safety? Well, like schools are doing a great job um, and there is Safer Internet Day every year, which is in February and a lot of schools kind of put a, a lot of focus on online safety at that point. Unfortunately, at the moment, normally online safety p- would be part of the um, SPHE curriculum, which would be the Social Personal Health Education. But this was last updated in 1999. So as of now, there's no... <laughs> it's a bit out of date. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's no explicit mention of technology or internet safety. So... It is something that needs to be looked at. Um, and as I said, some schools are doing a great job in terms of knowing that it is an important topic. But I just think it's important for all schools to kind of have this as a required basis um, so that all children in Ireland are kind of getting these safety messages. But when I was reading about your, your survey results, I was a bit taken aback, Cleana, that junior infants, that we would start yeah. as young as junior infants. I mean, they're what, four or five year olds. Do we need to yeah. start at that early? I, I would agree, and actually it's something that Bernardo would agree as well, it's like early intervention is just so important. Um, in my previous role, I used to be a teacher, but I also worked in ChildNet, which is over in the UK, kind of going into schools, and we would have spoken to children as young as uh, four or five wow. at that time. There. And you do it in an age-appropriate way, you do it okay. through stories, you do it kind of through, um, and it's just because a lot of children at that age are actually on the internet. They know how to use their parents' phone, how to kind of get onto YouTube, and it's just kind of giving them the message that if you see anything scary on your phone or on, on a device, 
turn it over and go talk to your parents. So just kind of giving those messages at an early age. Yeah. And so your survey, you spoke to teachers, you spoke to children and you, you spoke to parents. So let's just break it down, some of the results and what you found out. What were the main concerns raised by teachers? Teachers. So, yeah, as I said, from a former teacher myself, like I know how often online safety issues can kind of affect your teaching. And they said 65 percent uh, said that online safety issues affected their teaching either sometimes or all of the time. And in particular, um, it was excessive screen time. So 73 percent said that that kind of affected their teaching because, you know, children will be online gaming and then staying up until quite late and then be very tired the next day in school. So that was something that they needed to kind of flag to make sure that uh, parents maybe would be aware of the boundaries. Um, children themselves um, were worried about kind of uh, um, embarrassing photos of them kind of being shared online um, and kind of the anxiety related to that. But what I found interesting from children was that 80% of them said that they would like to talk to their parents um, if something negative happened to them on the internet. However, in the same study, 52% said that parents actually needed more help from the government in terms of online safety. So it's just an interesting stat that they want to talk to their parents, but they also feel that maybe parents don't know enough um, of this uh, this topic. So something that um, we all need to kind of know, have a bit more awareness. So, and about. parents themselves will admit that, that, you know, course, their children yeah. know more. And it's almost like, it's almost like a common joke. I, sure, I can't do anything online. It, my, my son or daughter knows it all. But it's, I, I, I thought that was quite interesting. The fact that the children were saying, they want their parents to understand their exactly. online world. And what we would say in our workshops that we have for, for parents and for children as well, but more so for parents, is then you don't need to be an expert in everything, but as long as you're having open conversations and talking to your children about their online use, hopefully that will mean that their parents, their children will actually come to them if there is um, a, an issue in the future. You can kind of say, I might not know everything, but I'm always here to help, just kind of mean... Because if you say I'm a dinosaur, I know nothing about the internet. If they are cyberbullies, they'll just never go to you as a parent. Yeah. So just kind of watching that language and making sure that you're having those open communications um, and conversations about online use and that they're engaged in it. And do many parents admit that they don't really know what their children get up to online? To a certain extent, yes. And from from our side, you know, whether it be Instagram or TikTok or whatever the latest thing is, um, it can change quite often and that can sometimes be overwhelming for parents. But we always say to kind of have a look at Common Sense Media. It's a really good um, website to kind of keep up to date with kind of what young people are using online. But also just what we say is just ask. Just ask the children what it is that they're using and hopefully being interested and engaged. They're getting a, a new game online, just play it with them figure out how you put on the privacy settings and um, how do you block, how do you report if needed, but just mostly just take that interest in your um, child's online or online world and hopefully, you know, if anything negative does happen that you can both figure out how to uh, resolve it together. And if we are looking at this whole idea of, of making it compulsory, put it on the school curriculum, I'm assuming teachers would need a, a lot of training, would they? I mean, some of the older teachers will be admitting, I know nothing about online. Yeah, no, it is. And as I said, like things do change quite often and Webwise are a fantastic organisation and they do a lot of um, kind of teaching resources. Um, so, yeah, I would imagine that they would need uh, more training to make sure that they're kind of giving the most up to date um, safety messages. But at the same time, we do in Bernardo's, we have um, workshops for teachers as well. So we can deliver. And actually what's wonderful is with our partnership with Google over the last, next four years, we're able to kind of offer our workshops at a reduced cost. So it's kind of four workshops. Um, for €50 Euro a day. So it's great for schools that kind of the cost is taken out of it. So we have workshops for children. We also have workshops for teachers to kind of 
keep them up to speed. And then also we have workshops for parents. And over the summer, we were able to adapt our face-to-face workshops to be online. Um, so it's great that we're able to kind of continue our um, our work this way. That's terrific. That is terrific. And like the World Wide Web is wonderful. There's so much positives to it. Unfortunately, there is a dark side. Uh, but we you know we mustn't forget w- what a great tool it is as well. Oh, exactly. And that's what we definitely say in, in our workshops is it's, it's really kind of outlining how positive the internet can be as a resource for children, but just always not shying away from the risks that are involved. And it's just always... Kind of trying to give children the tools and the skills that they need. It's not blocking or banning the internet because, as you said, it's not going away. So it's kind of hopefully um, giving them the skills so that they can use the internet in a safe and resilient way and hopefully trying to make good choices on the internet. Okay. All right. Listen, um, Cleena, thank you for that. And once again, the website that you would suggest people go to for, to find yeah, out more? So it's uh, bernardas.ie forward slash OSP or you can email us at online safety at bernardas.ie if you're a school and you want us to get in touch with you in terms of workshops. That said, it's four workshops for uh, 50 euro a day and we can do it on Zoom at the moment. So I did a pilot last week and it worked really well um, in terms of kind of interactivity and things like that. So it's great that we're able to con- continue our work this way. OK, keep up the great work at Bernardo's. Thank you for that, Cleena. And nice thanks for joining you. us. Bye bye. Bye bye. Cleena Perdue, who is the online safety programme executive uh, with Bernardo's. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls today. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And a reminder that Annalise Drissel will be joining us uh, in the next hour on the programme. Annalise, of course, always answering your nutritional questions. If you've got a question, you can get it in throughout the morning and I'll put it to, uh, to put it on your behalf to Annalise after half past 12 today. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. And the organisers behind Meals on Wheels in the Mallow area have been in contact with us and they're wondering if anybody listening would like to become a volunteer driver in delivering meals for Meals on Wheels. All you would be asked to commit is one hour a week to deliver meals in the Mallow area. Uh, If you think you could give up that one hour a week can you contact Eleanor at 87 289 That's 87 289 That's Meals on Wheels in uh, the Mallow area. Now, as with all charities, the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation finds itself with a major fundraising gap this year due to COVID-19. So this October, Jack and Jill are asking people to support local and donate local by going up the hill for Jack and Jill. Joining me from the foundation is the CEO of the Jack and Jill Children's Foundation that's Carmel Doyle. Good morning to you Carmel. Good morning Patricia, uh, how's you, it going? Oh, I'm, I'm doing very well, thank you. Would you start by reminding listeners of the services that are provided by the Jack and Jill Foundation because I always feel you're one of those, those organisations until a family is touched by the incredible work that you do a lot of people are unaware of the work that goes on because a lot of it is done what all of it is done behind closed doors and people don't always get to hear about it. Absolutely and thanks for the opportunity Patricia. Today we have um, 40 children in County Cork and 362 around the country. So what we do is we provide and we fund in-home nursing care and respite support for children up to the age of five with a range of neurodevelopment issues including brain injury, uh, genetic diagnosis, severe cerebral palsy. Indeed, many of our children uh, would be undiagnosed in that their condition is so rare 
and we also provide end-of-life care for children up to the age of five years old, regardless of the diagnosis. Um, what does that mean? These children are extra special children. Uh, they typically would have over 20 pieces of equipment at home. Um, the parents, ordinary parents, are faced with this additional dilemma. They're not trained. How do I, how do I cope with my child at home? What do I do? Because when you're talking about a, tu- uh, you know, a child who is tube-fed, oxygen-dependent, maybe taking seizures, with highly complex needs and high levels of medication, it's not everybody you can ask to, to mind the child while you pop to the supermarket. You, you can't do that. So you need help in the home, and that's what Jack and Jill does. We have a fantastic group of nurses and carers around the country. Our specialist children's nurses, like Eileen Niverku from Cork, would actually go into the home, assess the situation, and put... Um, a home care plan in place for the for the family and just mind them that way and give them a break from the 24-7 hour, uh, you know, care job, the regime that's there. But, but I have to stress, Patricia, that underneath all of this disability and these challenges, one thing we know for sure is our children do much better at home. Yeah. yeah. No doubt about that. And, and many of the children, Carmel, would have you know, life-limiting conditions. Many of them only have a few years yes. on this earth. I mean, and that the parents are facing that as well. And and that's harrowing and it's hard as a parent myself to hear that. And, you know, some of your listeners would say, well, how do they cope? Well, well you know how they cope because if you have children, grandchildren, nieces yourself, you know the love you have for a child and you know the ends of the earth. You would walk for your child these parents are faced with this dilemma where it's an uncertain future. They don't know how much time they have when it's an end-of-life situation. And they really um, they need to focus on living and making the best of that precious time at home. And that's what our parents, that's what our nurses do. They go into the home and um, they will just help them. They will help them to cope and they'll help them to make the most of the situation. Because the care, Carmel, as you said, is 24-7. So for the parents, I mean, in many cases, utter exhaustion. Utter exhaustion because, um, you know, some of our children would be up all hours during the night. Feeding can take two hours. You're talking about tubes. You're talking about training for all of this. So I I always equate it, uh, Patricia, to when I had my first child, you know, uh, you're you're looking to check, are they still breathing? What are they doing? Now, I don't mean to sound dramatic, but, you know, and I came from a big family, but when I had my own child to mind and, and, and you're faced with a newborn, you're worried and you're getting used to the rhythm. You put on top of that the situation where this child, as you say, is life-limited uh, and uh, maybe just has a short amount of time. And, and parents have to cope with that. They need that help. They're exhausted. They're absolutely exhausted. So, you know, I've, I've heard situations where parents say, you know, I went in and the, the mum just said to me, you know, the relief of being able to hand over my child to an expert and just to be myself and not actually to be a carer. For those four hours. Yeah, and, hours. and I know, I remember interviewing a woman a number, I can't remember her name, a number of years ago and when she was talking about the Jack and Jill nurse coming in and, and I said, you know, and what, what do you do? Should I sleep? Should yeah. to be able to go into bed 
and just sleep. And she yeah. said, I just get into this deep, deep sleep. And yeah. she just used it to, and I said, would you not go out and get your hair done and whatever? She said, no, I need my sleep. I just need to sleep. Yeah. And it just, you know, struck me. She's just barely coping. And then this Florence Nightingale arrives at the yeah. door. And, and it's also important, and that's why the fundraising side of this, you don't charge the parents. No, what we do, um, Patricia, is we actually will give um, a donation to the home. So we will assemble the hours and the nurses around the family. And typically, families will get 30 to 40 hours per month from Jack and Jill. And we fund those hours. Well done. So we fund those. And if it's an end of life situation, um, it's up to 80 hours. And I, I mean, I love your story and you're dead right. Some parents are just saying, I just want to sleep. I had one dad saying to me, well, I tell you what I do at my hours. I sit in my car and I just listen to the radio. Oh, God. You know? and, and there's another group that we must never forget when we're talking about these, you know, very special families. There are, in many of those families have other children. Yes, and the siblings, are, yeah. you know. Um, you know, the diagnosis is of the child, but it's really of the whole family. And regardless of the support we can provide or the HSE can provide, the main carer, the primary carer are the parents and mum and dad's time is really sucked up uh, in providing care for this child. You know, going down to Tesco for the, the shopping is a big deal. It's a big, big deal. Doing the ordinary things that the rest of us just do is a big deal for them. So as a result, the siblings can often feel isolated and... Um, you know, a lot of our nurses would say, look, we come into the home and we want you to use the time to maybe just go down to the park and feed the ducks with the other child, um, pick them up from school, bring them to a play date, the normal things that others do. Again, you know, recently I was talking to a family about this and I said, what do you like doing? And, and he said, well, what I like doing with my other daughter is her favourite thing to do is to go to the pictures and then we go to Eddie Rocket. That's yeah, it. Yeah, she that... has daddy to herself for those four hours and that's what she loves. So for every, time is precious and we all mm. get to know this as we get older. And it's, it's not about quality time. It's about that time you spend with your children. And the ordinary things are very, very important. But we'd be very proud of the siblings of Jack and Jill children because they grow up faster than most. They do. And they become mini carers in their own right. And they help out with speech therapy and with all the different services. And they are powerful but we can't forget about them yeah. and their childhood. It, they grow up very fast. So if we can go in and give mum and dad a bit of time to do some of those ordinary things, well, that makes me very proud. Well you know, done. And that's well what done. it's all about. Well done. It's, it's an amazing organisation. It, it really is. OK, talk to me about your funding, uh, Gap Carmel. I mean, I take it all of your big events and even that's all awesome. of the smaller events that families probably would have been organising for you. All gone this year, the majority of them gone? Majority gone. The 13th of March, it was a Friday, I'll never forget it. We had a big fundraising calendar flattened. You know, our our shop, nine shops shut. Um, Any of the big events, we had a big gallery event planned for the Lavat there in Cork, gone. Because how would you queue safely for a big gallery event? So we had to move everything online. Normally at this time of the year, our big mantra is up the hill for Jack and Jill in solidarity for those who can't climb the hill. Um, so what we're asking people to do, because we can't organise the big events this year, we're asking people to keep it local, keep it small, keep it safe. You know, invent your own hill. It, it can be uh, walking up and down the stairs for the month of October or for a week. It can be meeting up with a friend in a very small group and keeping socially distant and just going for a walk around the park and saying, that's my up the hill. Some people will do it on treadmills. 
Some people have even said to me, Patricia, I'm, I'm going to do a hell of cakes for the family and we're just going to sit down and we're going to register for 16 euro doing that. It's up to people. They can put it on their own slant. It's really not about what hill you choose. It's just being in solidarity with the families we support in Cork and beyond and, um, and just saying, look, we're here. Uh, Jack and Jill is all about community, helping community. And... Um, because you know when, when, yeah. when we were when we went through lockdown and people found lockdown very hard and people found oh my god I ever get out of my, get out of my house families like the ones you support Carmel live lockdown all the time all the yeah. time well, Lo- lockdown yeah. wasn't any any different no. really for them no and that's what you know our parents will say to us um, you know that that isolation that fear of the unknown when is this going to finish as my granny would say people are just feeling all of a doodah because we don't know mm. what's going on. That challenging, uncertain future where people are fearful, that is the reality for um, a family that have a child with a life-limiting um, condition. That, that's what they're faced with every day. So, you know, I, I don't want to harp on about the negative side, but these parents, they do what they have to do, but they need all the support they can get. So our Jack and Jill nurses are very practical experts who go in, assess the situation. They don't go in saying, you know, this is the form you have to fill and fill that in or else. It's very much listening first. What is your setup? Do you have any support locally? Do you live close to family? Who might be able to trained up to be trained up to help? Every child and every family is different because we deliver child and family centered care and our nurses are great listeners. They are the warriors. They go yeah. in they do their job. They're flexible. We have no waiting list. Um, you know, we're not just with the family for a weekend or a week. We're there from the early years, from birth to five years of age. And we've realized as well, Patricia, this year that we're not going to give up on our vision to take that age range to six. Because with everything else around our families being cancelled, you know, in terms of local respite, Jack and Jill wants an extra transition year from five to six. And we want to stick with our families. So we're going to go all out and we believe the communities will get behind Jack and Jill. But there's a cost, there's a cost involved a cost. in that, Carmen. There's a yeah. cost, but there's a need. Yeah. There's a cost, yeah. but there's a and need the, and that's it. The donation, and we've run ads and I've heard the ads yeah. of, of the 16 euro. 16 euro. That figure, is that 16 euro figure is important. It is. 16 euro funds one hour of home nursing care. So remember I said, like most of our families would get on average between 30 to 40 hours per month from Jack and Jill. So every one of those hours is 16 euro and we would, with Jack and Jill, the money follows the patient into the home. So we would actually incur that cost on behalf of the family and we would pay for that. So if one of your listeners registers for 16 euro and we're not even looking for a sponsorship card, we're just looking for the 16 euro, you can say I funded one hour of home nursing care for one of the 40 children supported by Jack and Jill in my county and be very proud of it and that's what we're asking people to do. Okay, listen, it's a wonderful organisation. Continued good luck with the brilliant work that you do but we we send our our thoughts and our love to all of the families and to those, as you say, those wonderful nurses who do that work uh, day in, day out but it's just, it's one almost of those hidden charities because the work, so much of it is happening behind closed doors. And and Patricia, can I just say one other thing? I had a recent, I heard a recent story you were talking about civil and there was a time a while ago where a group of siblings uh, they were having a play date and they'd invited now this was pre-COVID they'd invited a few friends over and the friends ran into the house and they were a bit taken aback because 
the sister was in the corner in her wheelchair with the tubes and they were like, oh my God, what's wrong with your sister? And he just turned around and he said, well, do you know the mermaid in Minecraft? She's rare. Very <laughs> rare. And I just thought, Leo, that's it. Yeah. These are children with life-limiting conditions, but those limits, you know, we try to break them through and we try to make the best of what we have. And Jack and Jill is all about embracing the family, embracing the child. We're, fi- we're, we're, we're very proud of what we do. Well done. Well done. Listen, Carmel, no doubt we'll speak again. Thank you Thank for that. You. And thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Carmel Doyle, CEO of the Jack and Jill Children's uh, Foundation. And we think of all of those little ones and uh, God help them. They've just got such a, a tough, tough life made easier by the likes of uh, Jack and Jill. And, and we think of all of the families uh, today, 40 families uh, across Cork currently today being helped out by uh, Jack and Jill. Remember, uh, um, we opened the show and I mentioned that uh, Carolyn Adrigal had contacted us back from England. She's doing her 14-day self-isolating. She had a missed call, but a message left on her mobile from the Department of Health. They wanted her to confirm who she was, where she was living, and was she abiding by the self-isolation for 14 uh, days. It was a Dublin number. She didn't know if it was a scam or not. So Bernie rang the number on Carol's behalf and all she got was an answering machine with an American voice saying that it was contact tracing and it was the Irish Department of Health was the message on it. That made me a bit suspicious when I heard the Irish Department of Health. But anyway, uh, I said to Bernie, look into that, get on to the department and see. So then Bernie rang the Department of Health, but she says she has no hope in hell of getting through to anybody in the Department of Health. There's nobody answering calls there. It's all press one, press two, press three, press four, you know, the usual. But she says the voiceover that they're using, the person on their voice machine has an American accent. So she said it's the same accent. So definitely the number that Carol got in Agricole is the Department of Health. So what we're now doing is we are sending an email to the Department of Health. Can't see them answering us by close the business today, but we may have an answer tomorrow asking them, are they calling people? Are they leaving messages on people's uh, mobiles? And exactly what kind of information are they looking for? Mary says, Fisher, just came in on the end of your Jack and Jill interv- interview. Do you know, do they still accept old phones? And if so, what address to send them to? Yeah, they were one of the companies that they did it as a fundraiser. Remember, they used to collect phones. We used to have, actually at one stage, we had a container, I'm sure, here in the studio, in the studio, in the building, collecting for the Jack and Jill Foundation. I think there were old printer cartridges as well. Anyway, I've asked Bernie to get back on to Jack and Jill Foundation just to see are they still accepting phones and if, there's, if there is an address because all of us got. That would be a great way to help them out because we all have old phones, don't we, shoved somewhere in a drawer that we know in our heart and soul we're never going to go back to because we updated the phone and the old phone was just left there. So hang in there, Mary, and we'll check back in with them. Now, I can see there's a number of different texts and calls coming in, kind of raising the same issue. And I don't know whether this is just people getting complacent about COVID-19 and not abiding by social distancing and not wearing face masks, etc. This is just a sample of the ones that have come in this morning. A listener says, I was in a supermarket on Saturday and there was a couple in doing their shopping. Neither of them were wearing a mask. Nobody approached them. I feel they should have been 
refused entry unless they put a mask on. Now again, I know it's an issue we've dealt with. It's, it's not up to the shopkeeper to police it. Some shops are really good about refusing people entry. There was a little video that went viral from a little store up in Dublin a couple of weeks ago where the manager refused to serve a couple. But everyone, we've all heard stories of various shops and supermarkets where people for whatever reason, they decide they don't want to wear masks. But again, you also have to remember there could be a genuine reason for a person not wearing a mask. Now why you would have a couple why you'd have two people together not wearing a mask I don't know whether they're just part of the brigade of don't care and don't give a you know what and they've just decided they're not going to wear masks or not. Then we've had a couple of people on saying coming through one says coming through Crookstown yesterday evening a large group on the roadside following a bowling competition nobody wearing face masks they all seem to be bunched up close together it was ridiculous people need to cop on that is from a Mill Street uh, listener and someone else was saying there was road bowling in Kilcorny on Saturday evening massive crowd no social distancing that's from uh, Mary then another listener says quarter past four yesterday afternoon a group of what this listener describes as drunk teenagers in Dunmanway. What is going on? My husband and I couldn't believe what we were seeing. Parents need to keep an eye on their children. That's from Joe in Dunmanway. Something needs to be done about young people gathering in large numbers. And then there was another one in, it must have come into uh, Bernie's, had a number of uh, calls in as well. If I can find some of Bernie's ones that have come in. There was somebody on about a group uh, yesterday as well. Marie. Thank you, Marie. Marie was in Charleville. She was in, she's from Charleville. She was in Donnerell Park yesterday. Weather was beautiful yesterday. No better place to go than to Donnerell Park. So there was lots of people. Everybody was enjoying the fine day and it was lovely. And it's a big enough park that people can social distance. But she said she spotted three men. This wasn't teenagers, these were grown men sitting at a picnic table with a box of cider, as you do on a sunny afternoon. So they just stood up, walked away, left everything, all of their litter behind them. Actually, somebody else is there to tidy that up. And she felt, while she was there monitoring these three men, they were, she thought they were bothering people, you know, passing her back, just being stupid, you know. But she thought, thought they were being a bit troublesome, but she couldn't get over. They just got up, left, and let somebody else to clean up their litter. And that's just uh, shocking. But... <laughs> We were, we were always talking about there will be a vaccine and please God there will be a vaccine sooner rather than later but we'll never get a vaccine for ignorance and utter stupidity. And when you get large groups gathering together even though we all know we all know we need to be social distancing but are we just getting I suppose what I'm trying to get at from all those different calls coming in from all different parts of the city and county are we just getting too complacent are we just kind of almost forgetting that COVID-19 isn't still with us and by God it is still with us and it will be very much with us and we'll all be suffering the effects if we move to level three at the end of the week and then could go on to level four and level five if we don't all cop ourselves on. OK, some other texts and calls coming in. Let me stay with the calls first. Kathleen and Enniskeen, this is on driver's licence. A number of people are contacting us about driver's licence when we brought this up earlier. Kathleen went into Cork City to get her driver's licence for the over 70s last week. She paid for the medical. She was sent a text to change her appointment date. She didn't see the text and she went in anyway. She showed her own licence and she's now been given a new appointment date for the 11th of November. Does she still have to go to Cork or can she get it online now? Now, there's a problem with the online part of it at the moment. 
Kathleen, you're okay until the 11th of November. Keep your fingers crossed because Andrea Smoyne says they're trying to get it sorted out and hopefully it will be sorted out because if you when you go in to I'm, I'm in my got the NDLS their website and they say renewing your driving licence uh, you why not save yourself a trip to the NDLS centre if you've verified my gov ID are under 70 and don't need to submit documentation and you comply online okay they're not saying online they're just saying online at the moment that anyone over 70 there is a suspension of the medical requirements and that people are getting their licence extended by an extra seven months they were doing that up to the 31st of August so the online portal still isn't opened yet but who knows, Kathleen, fingers crossed, it might be opened by the time you need to do yours in November. And if it isn't, then unfortunately you will have to uh, go in, which is a pain in the butt when you've already been in uh, once. And Ellen in Bantry went to the barracks, got all of the forms filled in for her driver's licence. She made an appointment, went along to her local NDLS. She was refused her licence. She says there's a code 101 on her licence and 101 means you have to have a medical. Now, Ellen is only 60. She's not in the over 70s ca- category. 101 was printed in the restrictions area and she says she's no idea why. She phoned her local guard at the station who told her she shouldn't drive without her new licence and that her insurance won't cover her. So she got on to her car insurance. They've noted her problem and when she gets receipt of her new licence she'll show it to him but she's no idea how this 101 turned up on her licence. I'd be going back to the NDLS to get further clarification on that. Eileen or Ellen and find out why 101 has suddenly appeared because I'm assuming it wasn't there before and suddenly it's appeared. I mean, just find out. Find out what it, what it is. Don't just accept it. That, oh, suddenly 101 is on my licence. Find out why it has appeared back on uh, your licence. Staying with driving licence. Tim and y'all. My partner's licence expires on the 10th of October and her appointment is the 18th of October. There is no way she can get to work without a car. So she has to have her driver's licence renewed. Hence, she, you, they will be now taking a frontline hospital worker out of work during a pandemic. Well done, NDLS, says uh, Tim. Hmm. OK, so your partner is working in frontline worker so she's obviously under 65 why is she going in person why is she not applying online you renew your driving license online if she's a verified MyGov ID she's under 70 she doesn't need to support documentation then she can apply online Tim so I would be suggesting to her take a look at doing it online unless unless she has, she needs to support documents, but if she doesn't need to support documents, which, which is what the, for the majority of people when they renew their licence, they don't need to bring documentation in. So tell her to take a look at that again and maybe she won't need to take her day, you know, her day off because it does seem crazy that anyone, a frontline worker would have to take a day off in order to go and get their driving licence renewed. And I can't answer this for Mary, but maybe some of our listeners can. Does the NDLS, the National Driving Licence Centre, do they send out letters anymore to remind you your driving licence is due for renewal? Has anybody got a letter from the NDLS to say that their driving licence is up for renewal? Because driving licence, generally speaking, for the majority of people under the age of 70 anyway, they're for 10 years and you can never remember 
when you renewed your driving licence. So I'm assuming they do send out letters, but let's see if somebody can tell us, have you recently had a letter to say your driving licence is up for renewal? If so, can you let us know, please? 1850 And another listener, now I'm slow to name the creche until I can find out for sure what's going on. But a listener says, can you tell me please why a creche has decided to mix pods and mix workers? An email came out to parents on Thursday. I'm fuming. Have they any respect for families or workers during this pandemic? Can you find out if this is allowed? Because when creches opened, there was very strict rules and regulations around pods and not mixing children between pods. So does anybody know why a creche and is a creche allowed to mix pods and mix workers? My obvious question is if my child was going to the school is to get straight back onto the creche to find out why you are mixing pods and to raise your concerns with them. That's what I will be doing straight away. John says in Mill Street, Patricia, with regard to wearing masks, is it compulsory for bar staff to wear masks inside in the wet pubs? As I was out over the weekend, I was in my local and I'd worn my mask when I went inside, but obviously took it off when I was having my few drinks. But then I started to notice just two of the bar staff had their masks on for the duration, from the duration of the time that they came in until they finished. But then there was three other members of staff who weren't wearing the masks. So should they be wearing all of, all of them? Should everyone be wearing the masks? As they were also dropping your drink to your table and collecting them when finished. Should they be wearing the masks? Well, if they're coming in close contact, John, I would imagine that they would. I'm going to have to try and get clarification on the wearing of masks because we are told that certainly you should wear your mask when you go in and if you're walking around a pub or a restaurant you should wear wear a mask and wear a mask. I have to say in all of the places and when I was staycationing and I was around the country as well it was one thing I noticed. It varied from premises to premises. You had some premises where every single member of staff in a restaurant was wearing the mask all of the time. I was in other restaurants where when they came to your table they were certainly wearing masks or they were wearing visors but people that were two metres away from members of the public didn't have their masks on but then it was in other establishments where they had them on all of the time. So I'll have to dig into the Fall to Ireland guidelines because the restaurants and now the wet pubs are operating under the guidelines from Fall to Ireland and find out what are the rules and regulations. I know certainly inside in shops, shop the retail workers are asked to wear masks if they can't socially distance from customers coming in. If they can remain two metres apart or if they have, you know, if they're behind it, protective, you know, the perspex screens, then they don't need to wear a mask. But if a shop worker is interacting with a member of the public and they're going to be within two metres, then they, then they absolutely, yes, have to wear a mask. So I'm assuming it's the same for bar staff. So, John, I just don't know in your case when you say some of the bar staff had them on, the ones that weren't wearing, wearing them, were they two metres away from you or were they actually up on top of you? They're up on top of you, I would be saying that I certainly would think that they should have been wearing a mask. 1850 But let me check in with the False Ireland Guidelines and get back to you. Won't be today. I'll, I'll hopefully maybe have an answer for that uh, tomorrow. But uh, Thank you for your text. Patricia, there is an urgent need for COVID testing results to be released within 24 hours to have any success in controlling the spread of this incredibly infectious disease. Facilities need to be increased, i.e. testing facilities need to be increased and improved urgently if we want to have any fighting chance 
of getting rid of COVID-19. That's from somebody WhatsApping 0862103103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bingo will be held in Inchigila Hall. It will be on this Friday, half past eight uh, start. Now, there will be a limit of 50 people, so tables must be pre-booked by contacting 87 3100 Remember, though, there can be no more than six people from no more than three households at each table. COVID guidelines must be adhered to. Is that the first indoor bingo that's officially getting underway under the guidelines? Good luck because so many people are wanting and needing their bingo to come back. And Castle Martyr Autumn Parish Cleanup will be held next Saturday. The Tidy Towns Committee meet every Tuesday evening at half past seven in the hall so it'll be tomorrow evening. New, he- new members and helpers are always welcome. Please bring your own uh, gloves. And Castle Magna Development Association, they're holding a clothes collection. Now I'm giving you advance warning of this to start collecting your clothes because it's not until Friday week the 9th of October and it's to help fund traffic calming equipment for the village. Contact Nula Falvey for drop-off information 086 825-0874 And a quick look down through some of your calls uh, coming in. We had found a pair of glasses. We're still looking for the owner. That was Mary who contacted us earlier. She found a pair of what she says looks like prescription glasses on the wall opposite the chip shop in Onahinsha. Mary's looking after those. We have Mary's number. And then we have a report in of a pair of glasses were lost around the Bora Villa Road, the Bora Villa Road in Skibbereen yesterday afternoon. If you found those glasses, could you hand them into the coachman in, please? Somebody desperate to get their glasses back, but that was in Skibbereen. And as I say, Mary is looking after the ones in Onahinsha. Tom in Rathcormick says, if we go to level three, the wet pubs should be closed. Well, the wet pubs would practically be closed if we went to level three, Tom. They would be allowed to open. They can't have more than 15 people and it's got to be served out site so I don't know how wet pubs would remain open in level 3 to be very honest and they only just after reopening Martine in the city says all the off licences should be closed some people are relying on drink so much they don't care who they pass the COVID-19 on to constantly getting those calls in are we not from saying that the off licences should be closed Esther in Bishopstown then was on to us this morning her elderly aunt has a problem with air Surprise, surprise. Did we not cover this topic last week? She's an 86-year-old woman and her pendant alarm is connected to air. They've knocked off her alarm. I'm assuming they've knocked the phone off, which means the alarm doesn't work. And then to add insult to injury, Pearl Esther in Bishopstown is trying to sort out the problem for her elderly aunt, but they won't speak to Esther White. Well, you're not the bill pair, so we can't speak to you. What I would suggest, Esther, because we had so many complaints about customer service in air last week, and it's even been raised in the doll. We had Matthew McGrath, the independent TD on from Tipperary on Friday, actually, because he raised the issue with the Minister of Communications. He wasn't happy, by the way, with the answer he got. But he's he says he's contacted from all over the country, people talking about air customer service. A number of people contacted us and said what they ended up doing was send an email. Now, some people had to maybe send two or three emails, but it did get sorted out. So I'd suggest, Esther, if you send an email on your aunt's behalf, sign it from your aunt, explain the dilemma she finds herself in and see how you get on. But trying to do it over the phone, 
bless you know I, I wish you luck with that but if they won't speak to you and you were probably on hold for over an hour and a half then to be told I won't speak to you because you're not the bill payer how frustrating is that oh by the way Bernie got onto Jack and Jill Foundation remember somebody was asking do they take old phones they don't take old phones anymore but an interesting one they do take, take old Lego and then they steam the Lego and they sell it through their charity shops and if anyone has raised children there's boxes of Lego in everybody's house somewhere. It's, one, it's kind of one of the toys that seems to last, isn't it? I know my own young fella, who's a big fella now, with his children of his own. It was the only toy, I can say, that survived. One of the few, certainly, that survived. And David's children are now actually playing with his Lego. I managed to hold on to a big box of Lego and... Uh, It's great to see his own children playing with it. But in other families, there are boxes of Lego. So if you want to consider giving it to the Jack and Jill Foundation, didn't realise that they do that. That's a terrific idea. I know that it's steamed then, so it's cleaned and everything so that people can use it. And thank you to a whole host of people who said they got that the, you know, remember somebody asked, do the NDLS send out letters to say that your driving licence is up for renewal because your driver's licence is not something that you check very often to see when is it out of date load of people obviously I need to get their driving licence renewed we had a flood of calls and texts saying yeah got a letter in the post including Eileen and Mitch so I got a letter in the post last month to say driver's licence is up she's 70 plus so she has to go for a, she had to go for a medical she did she went for the medical passed it flying colours and she got her licence now and her licence is renewed for three years so she doesn't have to worry about it for the next three years Emerin Kinsale got her reminder letter about her driver's licence that was earlier in the year and a lot of other people saying the same thing so thank you for people who took the time out to say that. John and from Moy says was coming through Castle Lines yesterday. He saw at least 50 or 60 people who were gathered road bowling. Agrees with the other callers who contacted us this morning. No masks, no social distancing at all. So road bowling is one of those outdoor events. And if it's an outdoor event, are you allowed to have 50 people at an outdoor event? But even if you have 50 people, you are meant to be social distancing. The masks now... You can argue the toss with that. The rules don't state that we need to be wearing masks outside and remember they are safer outside but please folks if you are gathering in large crowds like that and you're coming from different households you really need to try to do your best. Now I don't know much about how road bowling works as to the rules of it. I know people have to throw the bowl down the road and all of that but whenever I've come across it pre-COVID people have a tendency to be grouped around. Can they spread themselves out? I don't know enough to say to people stop doing that stop all being on top of each other and spread out because you don't want to be passing it from one person to another Eddie in Mallow says the school children in Formoy are all mixing on the school buses all of the buses collect the children at the same time surely that could be staggered that's we know the bus Aaron are doing their best to try to put on additional buses but they're there's still a problem with it. And for primary school children, we're told they don't need to social distance on the bus. They only made the decision to introduce social distancing for secondary schools. But it's going to take some time before all of the secondary school children will be able to be two metres apart on a bus. But the primary school children know they don't have to wear masks in school either and they don't need to socially distance on the bus. But if people are worried, particularly about children, I'm always keeping an eye on studies that come out about COVID-19, just to try to get any kind of a glimmer of good news in the midst of all of the pandemic. And children suffer less than adults from coronavirus and they reckon it's because their immune systems are built to protect them from diseases that they haven't encountered 
encountered before. This is the latest research that's out. Children's immune systems have evolved to protect the body against unfamiliar pathogens by rapidly destroying them before they harm the body. And obviously, when you grow up and you become adults, you've got a more developed immune system uh, and the response then to the pathogens is more muted. But that's why they reckon children are not as affected by it. I think that's one of the reasons why the social distancing isn't been... They're not forcing social distancing on younger children as they are with the older uh, children. And another ray of hope is something that's coming out from Australia. And it's the weekly use of a nasal spray and it could give 96% protection from coronavirus. It's a new preventative treatment. Now, it's about to move to human trials, so it's a little bit away. It's been following a very successful trial on ferrets. And the spray was originally developed to boost the natural human immunity to the common cold and to the flu. But then they started retesting it to see if it would work with coronavirus. And so far, they are amazed at just how effective the treatment has been. And it boosts the natural immune response of the ferrets with the treatment. And they saw a rapid eradication of coronavirus. And in addition, the reaction to the virus meant that the infected, if it works in humans in the same way it works with ferrets, it means that an infected individual would be unlikely to pass it on, which would mean obviously a complete halt of community transmission. So we'll keep an eye on that. It's coming out from uh, an Australian biotech company and they're getting ready to move to uh, human uh, trials. And hi Patricia, I'm just gobsmacked here. Having heard of several parents I personally know that should know better, allowing their children back to their accommodation in Cork City. And they knowing full well the instructions we were all asked to adhere to last week, which was that all of the third level education was going online what is wrong with these people they knew they know full well if they drop their young people back up to the city what are they going back to house parties the parents allowing this behavior are worse than the children themselves shame on them and someone else picking up when they're hearing me talking about people who are highlighting different groups of people you know all the the road bowling that was going on and people at markets at markets people in in parks, drinking and people not adhering to social distancing and not wearing their masks. Somebody says, Patricia, the amount of curtain twitchers, curtain twitchers texting you today is unbelievable. And I, I don't know. I think people are just worried and concerned and they want to keep themselves safe, but they also want to keep other their loved ones and other vulnerable people say so I don't necessarily think it's all curtain twitchers that are texting us today. 1850. 333103. Bernie's taking your calls. Questions, please, for Annalise, because she's next. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862 Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Ballancolic uh, joining me. Uh, good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome to the programme. Okay, let's get straight into uh, questions that have been coming in to us. Uh, Anne says, could you please ask Annalise about the menopause? I'm suffering from very, in particular, hot legs, but I can also get hot all over. What can I take for it? Is that unusual to get hot legs? No, not at all, Patricia. Hot feet and the worst of all, what some women get is burning mouth. Oh. Um, And it's all tied in with the menopause. So it's like that they've, they've burned their mouth with a really hot cup of tea and that's what they feel like all the time. So, Yes, so it's not easy for us women. Um, <laughs> men men take note. <laughs> yes, men take note, exactly. 
So probably the best thing for overheating is the sage. Um, that's normally what you would start on for hot flushes. Or Some people don't get the flush, but they just feel prolonged periods of being hot. Um, and some people get it throughout the day. And some people get it worse at night and they get night sweats. So the sage is normally the first to try and you need to take it for four to six weeks really to know, to know if it's working or not. And what you'll notice is a lessening rather than that they'll disappear overnight. You'll notice that they lessen and you, it, it, if you're very lucky, they'll go. But if not, you, it'll, it'll get to a stage where it's manageable. But if after two months you haven't had any luck with sage, the best thing then to try is plant-based estrogens. So these are kind of like HRT but from plants. So they're very, very mildly estrogenic and they help to kind of prop up our own dropping hormone levels. Um, soya isoflavones are the main ones that you'll find in health supplements. But if you go into any good health shop um, and they'll be able to talk you through the best one for you, there's a few different ones on the market. One of the ones that I really get good results with is the um, is Dr. Marilyn Glenville would be very well known in the UK for her work with women's health and women's hormones. And she does one called Menopause Support and I get very good feedback on that. It's by NHP, is the company that makes it, and it's called Menopause Support. Okay, Con in Kiskane. Could you ask Annalise, is there anything to help with balance? He had a stroke last year. Now, he is using a walking frame, but is there anything he could ha- that could help him with his balance that he could take? So, no, I don't really think so, Patricia, because the only way that would help would be if it was deficiency, if something was causing the imbalance, whereas probably what's happened is the part of the brain responsible for balance has been probably badly damaged. So I think exercise and retraining the brain is the key there. Now, there's lots of things that you can take to keep your brain nice and healthy and pliable. Um, The fish oils are always a great one um, for keeping your brain nice and pliable. And it is possible to actually generate new neural pathways. One of the other things that's very good for the brain is something called phosphatidylserine and phosphatidylcholine. They come naturally in the egg yolk. Um, it's it's part of um, part of what makes the egg yolk so kind of beautifully creamy. Now you can get the phosphatidylcholine very easily in a health food called lecithin. A lot of people take that actually to support good cholesterol levels, but it is very very important for the fatty tissue in the brain and around the nerves. And phosphatidylserine is more difficult to get in the diet, so you're better off actually getting that as a supplement. So by taking those type of supplements, you will keep your brain neural tissue very healthy and pliable, and then it'll be much easier to form new neural pathways through training. Yeah, and I was reading actually a piece online today. They were saying for older people and, you know, the dreaded cocooner words that a lot of older people don't like, but they were urging them to make sure that they take um, exercise and to look after their bone health, that they're afraid of fragility fragility due to inactivity so looking after your bone health is very very important absolutely and people often when they think of the bone health they think of load bearing exercise but actually walking is load bearing because you're bearing your own load so even walking um is very good um for for healthy bones and there's there's lots of lovely uh, exercise programs as well patricia on the internet youtube is incredible i mean there's the most lovely lady that does yoga on YouTube called Adrian A-D-R-I-E-N-E. She's just wonderful and it's all free. It's an incredible resource to have. And yoga, again, is wonderful for building healthy bones and healthy muscles. So try and get yourself a class. You Even if you only did 10 minutes a day, it's, it's better than no minutes a day. OK, let's back to questions. Eileen in y'all. Um, a five-year-old child, very thin hair. Child also suffers from eczema. Is there any vitamin that you would suggest for a five-year-old? Thin hair. 
Yeah, so, you know, if I could find now, Patricia, the supplement that would make people who've got thin hair have thick hair, I'd be a very wealthy lady <laughs> because it is, a, it, it is a genetic issue. Some people just have naturally thin hair. And if, if the little girl had very thick hair and it's become thin, that actually is a sign that there is something nutritionally at, at fault there. Um, but if she had always thin hair, then it's possibly her genetic destiny to have thin hair. So one of the best things generally for thin hair is biotin. Um, you can get it in a high dose from a Salgar supplement. It's biotin, 5,000 milligrams. And that's great to improve the quality of your hair. Um, but that wouldn't be suitable for this little five-year-old girl. I think a good multi for a five-year-old is a good place to start, especially if they're not good eaters. And I'm a big fan of the Animal Parade range. They do gummies, chewables and liquids, and they're very, very high quality. You'll get them in any health shop. And kids love them because they're like eating sweets. Yeah. So that's the Animal Parade um, range of, of, of kids' supplements. And then for the eczema, you see this eczema, if that's tied up with the gut, Patricia, often food intolerances drive eczema in the skin. And that would also mean that possibly she wasn't getting the nutrients that she needed from her food. So it might be worth taking a further look with that with the nutritional therapist. OK, Pat has been on. Pat has been diagnosed with, is it pronounced Rosa? Uh, on his on, on my face red oh, patches rosacea rosacea uh, is there any natural cure for this and is it serious so it's not serious in terms of health but it is definitely for confidence because it can get very inflamed and very red so it often happens um like kind of almost in a butterfly pattern from the side of the road and kind of two butterfly wings around by the sides of the nose and the cheeks so it's kind of the top cheeks under the eyes will suffer and some people literally just get redness and some people will get very bad spots from it so it depends on and and for some people the spots can be very very sore and very painful so it depends on the severity and I'll be honest it's a very difficult one to get to the root of because as with the skin um, even with eczema acne there is more going on than just a skin problem it's it's internal so uh, with rosacea, I often find people have skin have, have gut issues as well, Patricia. So if you can get the gut right, the skin will improve. That's certainly true of eczema and dermatitis as well. Acne is often hormonal. The rosacea can be gut-related, can be hormone-related. It can be a tie-in of many things. So the two things I would recommend as a starting point would be to take um, a, a supplement for the skin. The uh, Viridian do an excellent one called Clear Skin Complex. And that can work for acne or can work for rosacea-related acne. And then the Antiac product, which is a put-on product, you can do use a face wash and there is a cream um, or a spray that you can use as well. It's by a company called Salcura and it's called Antiac, A-N-T-I-A-C. And I get very good feedback from people that have rosacea from that product. It takes the pain and the redness out of it. Okay, hi, I am in my early 40s. I suffer from irritable bowel. It's been crazy bad uh, since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. Would you have any tips? Is is that stress? Yes, stress is a big factor. To be honest, Patricia, I have an issue with the word irritable bowel because I think people go to their doctors and they say, you know, I have trouble with my bowel and they say, yes, you've got irritable bowel and you feel like saying, well, actually, I just kind of came and told you that my bowel is irritated. So what is actually wrong? So it's not that, you know, irritable bowel generally is is multifactorial, but it's generally caused, in my experience, by either food intolerances, so you're eating foods that are irritating your bowel and creating inflammation, or if it's something you can tie back to a particular bout of food poisoning or a holiday that you were on, 
it's possible that you've um, picked up some kind of parasite or bacteria that has caused the inflammation and caused a disruption of all the good versus bad bacteria. And then the third thing is damage from medication. So antibiotics are one. The contraceptive pill, is, it can be very bad. And the third one would be non-steroidal anti-inflammatories that people take for injuries. So it's all about really trying to figure out the triggers and then healing the gut. Um, stress is a massive factor and will exacerbate any of the symptoms. Um, so getting the stress under control would be very important. So in this particular case, I would recommend a probiotic by an Irish company called Zenflora. And this is a probiotic that can help restore balance in the gut, but it also works on the gut-brain link. So it's very good if your irritable bowel is exacerbated by stress. You'll get it in any pharmacy or health shop, um, and it's spelled Z-E-N-F-L-O-R-E. But you really need to look at, you know, supporting your digestion. Um, possibly a digestive enzyme will help, and a good health shop will be able to help you with choosing the best one for you, whether you have a problem with flat digestion or carbohydrate digestion. And there's a lovely product that is great for healing an irritated gut, and it's by a company called Nature's Plus, and it's called GI Wellness. So it's for the wellness of your gut and incorporates your digestion, puts the good bacteria back in and a lot of stuff to bring inflammation down and help heal the gut. So that's a good one to try as well. See, as you've mentioned digestive enzymes. At least I want to know, are all digestive enzymes the same? No, and they're starting to get very good, Patricia. They used to be pretty much the same, but I would definitely recommend certain ones for people who have problem digesting proteins, different ones for vegans, different ones for people who have no gallbladder. If you've no gallbladder, you're looking for something that is good for fat digestion and that has some ox bile in there. So the ox bile will supplement your own um, lack of, you know, store of the bile normally kind of gets stored in the gallbladder and released when we eat fat. So you can put that in with the food um, when you take that digestive enzyme. And then there's ones for vegans that would be higher in the enzymes that you need to break down the lentils and chickpeas and all the vegetables that you eat. So if you tend to get windy from those, you're looking for something that has cellulase in there. You can get um, actually a great one for breaking down gluten if you're a celiac and you're going out for dinner and you're worried. Um, you know, if you're very um, sensitive, that'll help you break down gluten. So you need something that has got glutenzyme in there. So there's a few, there's a lot of different ones. Some of them had, have acid in there, Patricia. Um, and that's very good for supplementing a weak stomach acid. A sign of that would be that you'd find it very hard to break down meat. So that can be a great one if you're going out for dinner and having a steak. It helps process it so you don't end up getting a sluggish. So they're quite sophisticated well, now. Um, they've really come on. Yeah. They've really come on. All right, Mary says, seeing as we've been talking about eczema, Mary says, could you ask Annalise, uh, please, about my little fella? He's just five months old. He's covered in eczema. Now, I'm changing formula to a lactose milk and I'm breastfeeding at night and just using formula uh, a day. Could it be an allergy to cow's milk? It absolutely could be. Oh, um, but also, it's very difficult. It's, if, if you're breastfeeding, it could be something that you're eating that's going through the breast milk, setting up an allergy. So it's a difficult one to pin down. There is a type of formula you can get that is cow's milk free. Um, for some reason, the doctors and healthcare practitioners don't like recommending goat's milk. But from feedback from my own customers, Patricia, that often um, provides great relief. Um, so if you're kind of breastfeeding... The ones that typically come up the most in the, the tests that I do here, Patricia, are um, eggs would be number one, dairy, cow's dairy, number two, yeast, probably number three. So if you look at the amount of those in your diet and maybe cut down on those or notice is the, baby's more, is the baby more fractious, 
after you've eaten an omelette, then you can kind of sort of start connecting the dots yourself. But in the absence of that, I would definitely recommend a very good probiotic. The um, BioCare do excellent probiotics with bacteria for babies that have been used in the Swansea Baby Study for eczema. So get a good BioCare um, probiotic that you can put in. Either you can put it onto the nipple, it'll go with the breast milk, or you can put it into a bottle. With the formula. Uh, with and the is, formula. Is, is Mary right? She's changed, she's changed the formula to a, to a lactose milk formula. That's the right thing See, to do? I think lactose, Patricia, is the sugar. So if, if a baby's lactose intolerant, it tends to be more colic. When you've got an immune reaction, it tends to be the casein protein that's in the milk. So that will still be in a lactose-free milk. What you're really looking for is a dairy-free milk. And there is a dairy-free one that you will get in a pharmacy um, that has been made from proteins that are not coming from cow's milk. Or you could try the goat's milk. So that would probably be a better option than the lactose-free. Okay. All right. We'll leave it there. Listen, have a great week. Thanks, Patricia. And we'll chat again next week. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub at Times Square in Ballancolic. So that's where I wrap it up for today. My thanks to Bernie taking your calls uh, today. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock onto the line, Patricia Messenger. Have a lovely afternoon. Look after yourself. Stay safe. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.